You're listening to Lead, Sell, Grow, the Human Experience Podcast. I am your host, Eric Konovalov, and I believe that we can achieve everything we want if we take our leadership, sales ability, and personal growth to a higher level. On this show, we share ideas on how to break through our invisible boundaries, start taking steps towards our dreams, and create the life we desire. I invite you to open your mind to new possibilities, new ideas, and to the truth that everything you want is possible for you. Thank you for being here and welcome to the show. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Lead, Sell, Grow, the Human Experience Podcast. If you are not in my Facebook group, get your butt over there, Lead, Sell, Grow, the Human Experience Tribe. Let's connect there. And if you don't know my guest today, Anthony Russo, he is a Dallas Fort Worth based MC, performance coach, and motivational speaker. He specializes in overcoming failure. My man has failed so many times, he turned it into positivity. <laughs> and we're turned gonna, it into a profession. Turned it into a profession. He's a professional <laughs> failure. <laughs> He's also the founder of Be the Change, Awake Not Woke Clothing, host of Truth Will Set You Free podcast. His new show, Blunt Force Discussion. You guys got to check that out. His studio is amazing. He's getting on some incredible guests. So be one of the first. Go to his YouTube channel and subscribe to Blunt Force Discussion. Check that show out. He's going to be the next Joe Rogan with that show. He loves the idea of having conversations and meeting people where they are in life, business, or yes, even politics. He also likes long boat walks on the beach. Bottomless or topless, sorry. <laughs> Anthony, welcome to the show, brother. <laughs> Bottomless mimosas. You know, I, I talk about failure. My mom, like as, as good parents do, they say you can be anything you want when you grow up. And, you know, I, I took that to heart. So I became a failure. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to be the best at failing. And that's how I got into, you know, failing. So Don't you kind of have to get good at failing to succeed? You have to. And it, and it's like such a cliche thing. You know, you'll hear the, the less, less Browns of the world. You, you'll hear the Tony Robbins of the world. And, and I think um, failure became cool, became en vogue, I think, in the last like six, seven years where it was like, let's stop talking about perfection because I think we realize that causes such so much stress on the brain. Let's find a way to take the inevitable failures and turn it into something positive, a, a positive speaking point. And when you look at those that have been successes, we we used to use that that photo, the picture, not the photo, but the picture of the person with like a little bit of the mountain. And that's all people see is that you're at the top of the mountain. They completely ignore everything that's been underneath the water and how hard you worked. And we realized we were setting people up for failure because they didn't realize they have to take risks. They have to fail in order to get to where, where they were going. And I just love the idea of, of analyzing failures and, and being okay with it and knowing how to move past it. All right, but how did you start analyzing failures? Because there, there's a that's I think the first step is reflection, right? Like, first I think first is like taking responsibility. You know, hey, this shit is my fault. Now let me analyze what went wrong. But a lot yeah. of people don't do that. A lot of people have the blame game, right? Uh, yeah, this failed because of he made me mad. That law just changed and did this to me. Everything is always somebody else's fault. So. Talk to me about like a specific failure where, where you feel like was your first one that you actually analyzed. Well, the first thing I did is I put on a little Michael Jackson and I listened to Man in the Mirror. I'm looking. I'm kidding. That's a joke. Um, so 
man in the mirror. Uh, I, I, I realized my first failure. And the, the thing that I always start with is um, I was raised, uh, you know, you and I have talked many times. I was raised on free lunch. I was raised poor. I saw a lot of failure from my parents and then I saw how they got past it. My dad was, was handicapped. He had multiple sclerosis and he was also a compulsive gambler. And later in life, I realized it kind of related to the way that I started looking at my mistakes. So my dad would, would play a, a version of blackjack called uh, negative progression. Um, not to be confused with the Nightingale, the, the Martingale or Nightingale system, but it's negative progression. Every time you, you uh, lose, you double your bet. And we, we could talk about the math behind that later, but the way that I realized I was going about my life, and I didn't even know this till way, way after as an entrepreneur, that every time I failed, I was learning from my, from my mistake and not making it the next time. Not to say that I didn't keep failing, because I think that's just part of it. You're always one step forward, half a step back, or two steps forward. You're always going back and forth. And I looked at my first business, which was um, a dog tag company, like, uh, like military-style dog tags, but... I called it pride tags. And there was so many mistakes made, some of which were my own that I'll take ownership for, some of which it was right during the recession and it was not a recession-proof business. And I got a I got a $100,000 loan because I wrote up this absolutely amazing business plan. But at the same time, a great business plan does not mean great execution. Uh, I also had to learn how to be lean and I didn't know how to be lean at the time, which therefore helped two businesses later. So yeah, my first failure was really that business. And just, I got lucky enough to survive out of that because I, I continued to work hard. I found little things here and there to, to pay my way and to try to pay off the loans. Um, but yeah, big, big failure on that. And the, the lessons I learned there are what made me successful in other businesses. They would have, I would have never been successful uh, without the failures that happened there. Dude, so do you, have you ever had a job? So I had a job right out of college. I went to school for, and it's funny, I went to, I love math, which is really awkward for somebody that went to art school. So I went to school for graphic design and advertising with an emphasis in video. And I got out of school. And one of the places that I interned for when they found out that I was willing to do sales, they were like, well, we'll hire you. All of a sudden, like it was a bidding war to get me to work for like two different places. When I was about to, I, I went to school in Milwaukee, I was about to move back to to St. Louis, Missouri. And then all of a sudden, a bunch of people are like, we'll have you do sales. And I was like, oh, this makes sense. I'm a way better talker than I am designer. So I worked for them for about a year and a half. And then, yeah, I guess from that point forward, I went into promotions um, and and did uh, um, promotional marketing, experiential marketing, realized I was good on microphone and managing staff. And yeah, I, I would say that those were jobs, but it was always contractor work. Yeah. And now, I mean, are you still in this still doing the stuff with Fox sports? I am still doing the stuff with Fox sports. Uh, I I'm waiting on my contract patiently, like just kind of any minute, uh, <laughs> doing <laughs> Nope, still not. Uh, but yeah, I do every weekend college football, uh, with, uh, Fox big noon kickoff. And, you know, somebody asked me my favorite question I get asked about that job this last week. So that that's the, the, the Saturday morning show with Matt Liner, Reggie Bush, uh, uh, Brady Quinn, Rob Stone, and Bob Soups last year, all the, the big names. And I wait for people to ask this question because I think this is super important when you get to work with kind of big names like that. They're like, which one's the nicest and which one's kind of the jerk like that nobody wants to be around? The great part about this group is they are the nicest. I don't. Have, there's not a single bad word I could say about a single one of them. And I think that that's how 
you say, how does an, how do you take over an institution? And the institution they're trying to take over is game day, college game day, which has been around league course. So that whole group for like 20 years, how do you all of a sudden start to beat them? You do it. You put together a good product and you're good people. And all five of those guys are good people. And it's, it's made a huge difference because each one of them has have treated me with respect, but I'm working with them and I'm kind of, you know, the, the fans and the people they work with, everybody they meet, they are so respectful too. So you got all these athletes there. How the hell did you end up in that group? You, sir, are a jerk. Um, <laughs> so, I, and that's actually a great story. Where are you also an athlete? I missed that part about your graphic design in college where you told me you were an athlete. <laughs> I actually was, no, you, you laugh. I was, uh, so my, I went to school at Milwaukee Institute of Art and Design. And I got cross-registration over at Marquette University. Marquette University uh, was right up the street, right when D. Wade was there. I was allowed to play club sports. So I actually played college club football for a year and then college club baseball all four years while I was out there. So yes, I'm a little bit of a mediocre athlete. I always thought you were a jock. Okay. I can, I, I was a pitcher. We're not really a jock. We just sit there. But the way I got this job is actually another, it's, it's kind of a lesson I teach people, which is when you have an opportunity, go all out. And it was, it was the red river rival rivalry. Never can say that. Uh, Oklahoma plays Texas every year at the Texas state fair. And it's tons of tons of fanfare, all this stuff. I usually work the state fair when I was uh, doing, um, um, independent contractor work for Nissan. And I got a phone call saying, Hey, you're the, ba- you're a backup, but we want you to do it because they couldn't have the person they wanted to work with Fox sports on this weekend to do their, their new version of college game day. So I was like, I'm, you know, what's the pay? The pay was good. And the pay was pretty decent. I'm like, I'll find a way to do it. And it was show up at 6am. I went full tilt. Like you're just, you're, I'm a crowd hype guy. So I get the crowd organized. I get them excited. I had, they gave me almost $10,000 worth of stuff to give away to fans to get them excited. Cause they wanted to show that they could compete with college game day. I had my pedometer on it, my step meter on at the time I did in a space that is about the size of, I would say 60 by 60, maybe not too big, 12 miles. <laughs> in 12 miles in about uh, a cumulative seven hours worth of work. No voice left at the end of it. And then I had to go work the rest of the day for Nissan that night. I worked a 18 hour day. They loved me. They, they literally were like, anytime we do this, we're going to use you. So I wasn't the number one. I was the backup. And then all of a sudden I became the person they called upon. And even to this day, they, I, I, I don't think we share political opinions and, uh, this, and, and they still will say, as long as you don't bring your politics to work, bring it. And they'll, and they, they allow me to continue to do it. And now it's, uh, it's sounding like I will, uh, be doing 12 games last year. It started out at four or six, I think, and then it ended up at 10 and this year it'll be, um, it'll hopefully be 12 and they have up my pay from the pay that I already thought was really good. So it's, it's a great opportunity and they're great people to work with. Oh, All dude, because I busted awesome. my butt from day one. Well, technically, okay. So now you can say you're the Tom Brady of, you know, sports casting. I would say I'm the Tom Brady of crowd MCs. I would crowd say that. MCs. I think I, and in all reality, not to sound haughty, uh, I would say there's a, about 10 MCs that are in this specific industry. Danny Hoyt's another guy. Um, Rossi Moriali, who actually runs the business that I got that work on. There's only about 10 MCs that have kind of my stature in that industry. Problem is it doesn't 
typically pay as well as Fox Sports does. But, but you love what you do, man. You like lit up when you're talking about it. So that's a good thing. I I still the thing, and I know that I mean I'm almost forty, so I know that I've got maybe five years left of that. But there's something about, and I've been in front of eighty. There's not too many people that can say you know you've gotten to like hype a crowd in front of eighty thousand people, and what that feels like, unless you're a rock star, and I'm definitely not a rock star because I'm usually doing a promotion for AT and T, but. <laughs> But like, it's just like, all right, this guy is going to figure out what that Pictionary picture looks like. Uh, but, but when you can actually have control of a crowd with the microphone and just know the trigger words and inflection in your voice to make sure an Alabama fans go nuts or the LSU fans go nuts and they're on two sides of a room and feeling that energy is something that I, I'm sure only rock stars can and typically can understand. And it's, it's, it's awesome. It's fun. No, that's great. So we were both speakers when you helped put on the event for Barb and Dave, the Great American Summit earlier this year. That was an awesome event. And uh, you came out with the Spartans thing screaming. <laughs> Dude, had the, Anthony had the whole room doing the Spartan Warriors. Oh, man, we had a, it was a great, great time. Patriots, what is your profession? Yeah. Patriots, what is your profession? I, I mean. It was awesome. The energy. I mean, you had some like famous Navy SEALs there. David Webb was there. Like Nick Wojcik was there. Like it was awesome. Pedro's killing. Yeah. Pedro's killing was there. Yeah. So you've started a bunch of businesses. You failed yep. at a bunch of businesses. Yeah. Couple questions there. One, some lessons learned. Like, what are you ensure to do now every time you're starting a business because you failed at it before? And then number two, and maybe you answer the number two first, what keeps you freaking going? Why don't you just, after like the third or fourth failure, why don't you just say, screw this, I'm just going to go get a job, get my 150, 200 grand a year, and just be happy. You know, it's funny, after the last, after this last failure that, you know, we'll probably at least talk about at one point before this is over, um, I actually was like, uh, maybe maybe it's time to just get a job but that 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 lasts like a day or two and i'm like i can't that's just not who i am and i and i love i love the ability to speak and i love the ability to start businesses and it it's just a, the reason you keep going is it's the weird entrepreneurs have such a weird brain and i think that's just how we're wired where we don't look at we look at 40 hours to 50 hours a week as torture but we look at 100 hours a week as fun when we are doing what we love. And, and sometimes what we love includes losing money, includes failing in small ways, but it also includes the ability to say, F it, I'm going to go do this and, and go for a three-day vacation in the middle of the week. Um, and also having an impact and being able to employ other people. When I owned my, my promotional staffing agency, there was 2,000 people a year that I was giving checks to, writing checks to. And there was there was something about that just providing an ecosystem that continues to um, feed. Like when you really look at it at the end of the day, when you're struggling and people aren't showing up and business is rough or something, a, a sale falls through. And for me at that point, when I was employing all those people, at the end of the day, I go, there's a lot of parents that are using this to pay for rent, paying for food for their kids. And I was providing employment or providing contractor work for these people to, to not just survive, but thrive. And I've gotten to see in that industry that I've kind of exited but I, I see it. I see a lot of people that I that respect me 
still to this day, they were like, you were my first promotion ever. And then here I am managing a tour at $2,000 a week and, and thriving and all this stuff. So I do love that industry, even though I've, I've distanced myself from it. Now, to your first question, what I, when I make the mistakes, what am I kind of learning and how I keep restarting is I still make a ton of mistakes. I still fail, but my goal is always to never make the same mistake twice. So we're bound to, we don't know what's going to happen with the economy. We don't know what kind of business we have. And all of a sudden gas prices are super high. We don't know why all, we, we have to just be mobile when that happens. But as long as we're not, we're, we're not putting ourselves in the same position over and over again, then I think that we can excel even more. So for example, uh, you, you, you use the phrase, you know, if you get knocked down, if you get punched and you get knocked down, dust yourself off and get back up again. I always love this reference because I think it's so empty and so, <laughs> it's so it's so and i'm going to say this as a, and i love america it's so american like just get get back up get back in there and it's like rocky right thanks rocky <laughs> yeah exactly it's right it's very rocky it's like hey you just take a couple of blows we'll get about it but no it, there needs to be more and there's there's such an adage to it that, that is missing so what i always say is you get knocked down you dust yourself off again but before you get truly back in the fight you figure out what happened to you to get there so say you got hit by using a boxing reference, say you got hit with a, a, a right hook, a left hook. Well, don't walk back in there and take the left hook again, like Rocky would like actually learn from that duck, learn how to you know get out of the way. So learn from the mistakes. And you know what? You're probably going to get hit then with the right cross and you're going to get knocked down again. This Now, this is Rocky because we can continuously keep going in our pocket, keep going in our heart and find a way to get back up. But each time you get back up, learn from it. And eventually you make enough mistakes, you become a very educated failure. Sure. So what that means is you now no longer not only have the ability to block and get out of the way, but now you can counterpunch at life to use kind of that, that adage. Now you've, you've learned what got you there. And now you can actually go back on the offensive because you know what failures got you to that place. And I think that's, that's the goal of every time that I fail is to uh, is to is to learn those lessons that allow me not just to get out of the way of the of the mistakes, but actually counterpunch and go back at them next time. Yeah. So list the businesses you've had. Okay. So out of college, uh, or just after that, I I did a uh, wedding videos. Uh, I was the videographer for weddings, which was also a lot of fun. Like it's that joyous moment. Why am I picturing you with a mullet doing that? For some reason, like the. The the wedding singer with Adam Sandler movie came on. Like it just popped into my mind. <laughs> no, I I was that one was. I mean, I had like a nice camera, and it was, no, I was respected. Like a shoulder one, or are you wearing? You know, it was right at the beginning of the like the really nice big handhelds that were light. I can't. I had like a Sony something. It was like a four thousand dollar camera though. Um, I I I'll real like thirty second story. Really funny. I'll never forget one of the weddings I did was kind of this like lower income wedding, I guess is what I would call it. Like the parents paid for it, but like the bride and the groom, they just had a baby. It was like a shotgun wedding kind of thing. And I remember where they wanted us they, and I had an assistant with me, my buddy, and they wanted us to videotape the girls getting dressed. And I'm like, this is awkward. This is a little weird. <laughs> I will and as the it. girl, the wedding, the bride was right in front of us. She bent over and there was just thong and like i tried we tried not to laugh but you know the shoulders started going and i just remember like one of the other like 19 year old trashy sisters looks over and goes how about you two men grow up and i'm like 
Well, <laughs> there goes my tip. Anyways, uh, so wedding wedding videos. That one didn't fail. It just was kind of a small business out. Uh, just was like kind of a hobby business. So then there was that. Then there was the dog tag company named Pride Tags, which is it seems like every business that I have is themed at being something greater than yourself. And that was what Pride Tags was about. That one failed miserably. Not having to do with the gay movement, I'm guessing. No, 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 no. Just pride, like be proud of who you are. Proud of who you are. Yeah, we do have two more days in this lovely month, um, depending on when you're watching this. Yeah, so congrats to all our gay listeners on Pride Month. <laughs> congrats that it's almost over. and We can go back to realizing that we're all just equal people instead of this weird crap that not going to get into it. <laughs> um, anyways, um, so yeah, so that one, it was the Pride Tags was about the idea of like when you are, it actually started when I was on the road we'd get dog tags with our names on it and our nicknames. And it was the fact that we just took so much pride in our work when we were doing that touring, uh, it was called Coca-Cola spirit of champions tour. And when we started doing that together, we took, it was like a brotherhood and we realized there was something more to it anyways. So the pride tags that failed miserably. Uh, then I went into business with one of the people I met while going on the road. Uh, his name was Doug. We started identity partners where we tried to get into experiential marketing. What does that mean? Experiential marketing is, that's kind of been my whole world for 15 years. Experiential is anytime you go to an event and like a concert and people are handing out either samples or providing an experience for somebody as marketing. So like, like even Pepsi, Coke, if they're sampling, that's experiential marketing. If there is a game going on with branding around it and they're having people come play like fans, like fan experience, that's experiential marketing. Mm -hmm. So we decided to be an experience. We had been working for experiential marketing. We decided to be experiential marketing company. We had a couple small clients. Things were not going well. He did not do business the way that I do, uh, which is always available, always on the phone. And he's that guy that he should have been a nine to five worker because he's like, well, holidays are for family and this and that. And I get that. But you have, in order to get to that place as an entrepreneur, you got to work for years or just grind it out. Something's got to give. You can't do that in the beginning of a business, period. And if if that's not your mentality, that's completely fine. Don't be an entrepreneur. Don't. So him and I, we had some, we had some issues. Uh, some of the contacts were his. And then somebody reached out about, can you staff events? And I was like, I will do whatever it takes to make money right now because we're, we're running out. And we, I staffed a six-person event. And then they're like, you did good. You want to do the Super Bowl? 100 people a day. Uh, 10 days, it was an absolute nightmare. And working with my business partner then was even worse. And the worst part was I did all of the work. I did every inch of it. And we split the 30,000 profit, uh, 50, 55, 45 him to me, which was really frustrating because that was the way the company was, was, uh, organized. It was brutal. Um, but that was a very stressful week and, and whatever it was. But once, once him and I split, and we had little little you know arbitration lawsuit type thing uh once we did that and i moved on to identity marketing everything took off from there and we became a million dollar uh revenue or i became a million dollar revenue business within 18 months and we were always right around that million dollar mark kind of by design if it got any bigger we would have had a little bit more irs issues with employees slash independent contractors which if i was still in business today and i hadn't merged we'd have we would no matter what size you are you would have to be a you have to be employees. So really, yeah, that's it. You can't, the independent contractor stuff is hard because if you provide them with a time to be someplace, 
it's 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 gone away from the whole what what the purpose of independent contracts is the government they want to collect more taxes and i and i understand that to a point but we don't get to really say where our taxes are going again getting political don't need to but but I, isn't it that the independent contractor pays the taxes versus you paying the employment taxes if it was uh now it becomes their income right cuz i usually pitch so companies will hire me sometimes to be their outsourced sales manager or chief sales officer, whatever it is. Yeah. And um, I, I prefer it that way. I don't want to be an employee. I'll still come right. do the work, but pay me as a contractor. And I always thought that benefits the company. The independent contractor does benefit the company. Yeah. 100% benefit. They don't want, nobody wants to be, to, it, 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 that's the thing. It benefits the employee because you have more tax write-offs as an independent contractor. It benefits the company because they're not paying the extra taxes up front or the extra paperwork. Mm-hmm. And they can get rid of me if they don't like me. Just cancel the contract. Exactly. Can't fire somebody that easily, right? It, exactly. So yeah. So it, it is a it, yeah. There every the independent contractor. It's free. It's it's essentially free enterprise and it's free will all at the same time. And if you don't, if if you're an, if you get locked in as an employee, it hurts for you a little bit, and also makes the company you you, you kind of become a tenant where it's like, well, I still kind of live here, so good luck getting rid of me. It it just it makes it, it makes it a lot harder. And, and the great thing that like with, with you doing that, you're essentially helping them out. Therefore you're probably setting your own hours and you're just essentially contracted to work a certain amount of time total. And you can do, you can work on your own. That's why you're still an independent contractor in that sense. But if they said, while you work for us from March to June, you show up at 9 a.m., you attend every meeting at this set set time, et cetera, then you have to be, even if you're contracted, you actually have to become an employee in today's world. Dude, I think we always have to find like pay for performance. I actually just had a meeting the last week I was on vacation. The week before that, a business owner wanted to hire a coach for a couple of her leaders. So I met Mm -hmm. with her and I gave her a proposal and it went silent. I followed up. And we restarted the conversation and she's like, listen, you're probably double the price of the next highest proposal I got. I said, that's right. I'm not, you know, I'm not the cheapest, but I'm not going to be an expense. I'm going to increase your revenues. Like that's, that's my goal. And she said, what, how would you feel about doing something where there's a variable component? So you get paid for a performance. I'm like, I love that. (laughs) I freaking love it. Let's do it. She's like, you do? She she kind of she was she backed up. She's like, "You do?" I said, "Absolutely. I'm telling you, I'm going to be a revenue producer for you. I I want that because I know I'm going to make more money if it's variable." Right. You have faith in what in your product. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so um so now we're back. We're talking. She's like, "Nobody ever wants to do that. You're the first guy that told me he would do it." I'm like, "I'm gonna do it." I, I yeah. You gotta you gotta be confident in what you do. All right. Back to you. Sorry. So no, 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 that's, that's great. Cause that, that also, it's funny. And some other business deals I've done, I've offered similar stuff and people really don't understand. They don't understand that, that I, I love, I love that concept of a shared profit. Shared profit is, is to me, one of the greatest things because then nobody can get screwed. As long as you're open with your books and you do things correctly, yeah. that means that if you fail, they don't, they're not out more money than they should be. It's that I, I love partnerships like that. The, the key is just making sure that there's good contracts so that you get paid at the end. But I think that's, I think that style of business is really the way thing where things should go in this world of gurus that we have. We're like, 
All you got to do, you pay $3.99, you take my course and you're going to have a million followers and all these different things like, cool, how about I pay you $49.99? And as we go, let's, and I'll, I'll, I'll be willing to pay you 10 grand if you do what you say you do. Yep. No, it's, it's online. They don't want to hop on the phone with you. Yeah. I've had that too, man. It's, it's so frustrating these days. I was looking to get into real estate investing and this guy just spoke to me because he, he claims to be like this guru for short-term rentals and how to get into that and what to look for. And I'm like, you know, I'm always learning and growing. So I reached out to him uh, via messenger and I'm like, Hey man, can we hop on a call? want to learn what you do, potentially hire you as my coach for this. He sends me like this, like 15 page questionnaire pre-qualifying me. I was like, dude, go pound sand. I don't even want to, I'm done. So my last, that's funny you say that. My last business, uh, we, you know, Kelly and I, uh, we were trying to buy that massage school. Mm-hmm. Massage school. Massage school. Cause we own a spa and we're trying to find, you know, recession proof businesses and businesses. And, you know, it's interesting we would not have had the issue that ended up causing us be, to be able to e- exit the escrow if it wasn't for the fact that the leasing agency, the leasing, not loan, not us trying to get the loan, to actually get the lease transferred into our name took seven weeks to get the final paperwork to us. Closing should be 30 days. We kept having to extend the closing and extend the closing. The leasing, and which also raised a red flag, we're like, how are we ever going to sell this business? The lease is impossible to transfer. These people are horrific. And it was, it was a 56 page lease that I had to, and I'm, I mean, I have a legal brain, not that legal of a brain. So I had to take, I took a day and a half to go through this lease to make sure certain things I had to Google certain phrases. It was the most legalese thing I'd have ever seen. So then the addendum was six pages and then to go back and forth for them to approve it. And they had to, we had to send in more than we had to send in for our loan. Not kidding everything from credit to assets to this. And it's for a $5,000 a month lease. I'm like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my whole entire life. And in that process, something happened with their business where there was allegations online and all these different things that happened well after the first closing date should have been. And it's like, did you just look up and say, thank you, God? Yeah, exactly. Be like, thank you for this being such a ridiculous process. Cause now we know that we wanted to move on. Like that was just, it was insane. It's terrible. Terrible. Wow. It's amazing how things always work out. Yeah. When you believe they're going to work out. (laughs) So, so then we'll get to, uh, we'll get to the the current mistake that I made. So I'm in this, and I think that part of it and and, in total transparency, it's been a rough and you, you know this, but to the audience watching, it's been for somebody that was in events. um, I think my failure in the last couple of years was, not capitalizing on this greatest greatest wealth transfer ever. Like I did good on stocks. I I took a you know they've gone a lot back down, but I put essentially twenty thousand in, and and at one point that twenty thousand was at a hundred thousand dollars. And I, I did good in stocks, did pretty decent in crypto investments, but I did not take advantage of the money that I had and buying new business during this. And as we saw, real estate's gone up. Everything's gone up drastically. And then as as time has gone. So I didn't get to, as somebody in events, I didn't work from March of 2020 until really college football season last year. So I went a solid 15, 16 months with no revenue, just living off of the money I had made and, and then hopefully turning some in stocks and this, that, and the other. And it got a little stressful. I started spending some money out. And I feel like 
as somebody that has made decent money in their life and has been successful, thinking that you can continue to be successful while your back's up against the wall, you have to look at things differently. You have to gauge things a little bit different. And I think when your back's up against the wall, your judgment is impaired. And some of the th- the mistakes that I've made recently, like risk taking, is great. Like one of the one of the businesses that you and I do has done very well. Um, obviously, I've conti- that's continued to make a few hundred bucks a week, like enough where it w- it's it's worthwhile. One one didn't work out so well, and that was fine. I at least I think both of us stayed a little low on that level. Well, not not both of us. <laughs> well, com- compared to compared to the money you were investing, obviously, yeah, you, yeah. Like if you would have done what you were doing in 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 the other one, that's true. And somebody asked me yesterday, by the way, and by the way, and just for you guys who are listening, it's like, I'm talking like $30,000 that just poofed yeah. disappeared. And somebody asked me, they're like, are you going to go after that guy? And I was like, nope. No, I, nope. I, I knew it was a risk. It was my fault. Yeah, yeah. I knew I, I have way too many people message me on that one. Did you get involved in that? I'm like, yeah, I did. And you know what? I knew that's, I knew the risk reward on that one. The other one had a little bit more solid ground and that's why I was willing to put more in. And it's still running. <laughs> still running. And I tested it for months before I put money in and I knew what you had done. And, and I knew that, yeah. So, uh, I knew the risk and people are like, I'm so sorry you lost three. I lost, I think $3,000. So I, I, they're like, I'm so sorry you lost money. I'm like that one I knew was gambling. I've, I, you know, I knew that it was a risk, high risk, high, high, uh, risk, high reward, or high reward, but Regardless, the other the so the the last one though was my thirty thousand dollar mistake, which was uh, Turo car business. Long story short, um, I bought about a hundred thousand dollars worth of cars because I have good I had good I still have good credit, but lower revolving obviously or higher revolving. So I bought the cars based on advice from somebody that has a good social media presence, Dallas based. There was ten other partners going into it that had been doing it for six months. Nobody had anything negative to say. We know why now, because every time there was something that came up, people avoided the wrath of this crazy individual. So long story short, I had to fight to get my cars back after four months. And there is a whole line of weird crap that happened along through it, but it is probably the worst decision I've I've made in my life. And I made money the first month, not the money that I thought I would. The goal was to make like 500 bucks a car and to be completely hands-off. Instead, I was making like $150 a car profit and so hands-on, it was ridiculous. And just so people understand what you're talking about, like Turo businesses, you know, traditionally, I can just snap a picture of my car, put it up on Turo and people who are coming into town, want a car rental, they just rent for me instead of Hertz or budget, whatever. And what this guy's doing is he's using other people's cars. So he's saying, hey, I'll set up the Turo account. I'll have 15 cars. People have to go and buy the cars, give him the cars. Who keeps the insurance? He kept the insurance. So you also have to have insurance. So I, since it's my loan, fortunately, since I took a loan and didn't pay like through another loan, like some people did, I still have insurance on the vehicles. Okay. So you hold the insurance and he was going to take care of everything for you. He's yeah. posting the cars. He's cleaning them. He's getting them. He was in, he was, he was posting and cleaning and that was, and, and he was renting them out, but there was, I don't think he was ever properly insured. I think that was a complete line, falsified information. And he's just, he was a sketchy dude. Just, it turns out it was all smoke and mirrors on a lot of it. Um, and he's just not a nice individual. Like, I mean, we're talking sociopath behavior via text that is, 
the next level. And we have a, a group of people working, you know, together. Like, is it worth suing him? I don't know, honestly, because what does he really have? Is it does he really make any any money? I don't think so. Turo, and by the way, Turo is good if you're doing it yourself. Uh, it's great because you could drive whatever vehicle you don't want. Like, say you've always wanted a, a, a Corvette. Get a Corvette and a couple other cars and drive that Corvette when, when it's not being rented and be smart about it. Do the higher insurance and do whatever. And, and I think there is a good thing, but he was just, everything was shifty and I could not get my vehicles back. When he fired me as a client, I was like, okay, this is a bad situation because I know I bought at the top of the market and um, at this point, they've got way more miles on it than they should. Something was fishy. Something was off. And I, I'd be out about, if I, if I were to resell them right now, I'd be out about 30 to 35,000, if not more between the three vehicles. So, uh, I, so the, 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 the thing, and I, did you ever watch, uh, did you ever read the alchemist? Like I told you to, I started to, I could not get through it, man. It's 60. It's like a hundred pages. It's I like know, one it's day a boring story. <laughs> It's a fable. It is a fable. Fable, Anyways, whatever. It, it relates to do it. <laughs> just, just force yourself to get there. Granted, I say that and I never have time to read, but I know I, I read every day. I love reading. Just not I that one. I have like ten books that I'm not finished reading at the same time. <laughs> I when I see that's when I get into the reading thing. That's what I'll do halfway through. Like yeah, same thing. But anyway, so I I was. One of the cars I had to track down at a shop that had like eight thousand dollars worth of damage, um, which it is what it is. And then like an the next what they crashed and you weren't notified. I was notified there was that somebody cur- like curbed the car. This is when we were still doing business together. Turns out it was more than that. They've damaged two two thousand dollar pails of wheels. It's a wrap vehicle, so you have to get the bumper replaced and then rewrapped in the matching color. So that was the 2013 Jaguar. Um, so that one's about $8,000 damage. He wouldn't tell me where that car was until I knew which shops he went to. And I had to track that down. The BMW 435 that was in it was a convertible. I ended up somehow, it took me a while to get the BMW services kicked in to prove that it was my vehicle, get it turned on. And the GPS didn't work for like 24 hours. And then all of a sudden it popped up. It was at the airport. I tracked it down at DFW airport in one of the parking lots. And then the last car, they had disabled the 2017 BMW. They disabled the GPS. So there was nothing that I can do to find it until, uh, unless they overrode the system with the police report. This is where you probably saw me go nuts online is in the state of Texas, it's policy that if it is a civil matter, because I originally gave the vehicles to him, even if I have hundred text messages of crazy SOB saying, not giving me the details of my car, me asking for it, it doesn't matter. I need to send a certified letter, wait 10 days. I'm like, I'm seeing them because I could see that my car was still being driven. I just didn't know where. So it's getting hundred miles a day. I don't know where it's going. I don't know what condition it's going to be in. Like, I just want my car back. Turns out, by the way, the rear wheels, who does burnouts? In a in a, a four cylinder turbo, the z- the back wheels are at zero of thirty six. There's zero tread. I just bought the car three months ago. They were fine. So who does this stuff? So, anyways, besides that, the car's in great shape. So I did finally get it back, and this is the sign. This is the Alchemist reference. So I'm gonna pull. I gotta pull up the quote real quick. I can paraphrase. So I always believe my guardian angel is my aunt, my aunt Rita. She passed away in 2011. Um, she was like a second mom to me. I'm very close to my mother, but she was like a second mom. And just, she was the, 
she just had this different level of advice. And ever since she's passed away and my dad passed away, if I were to say who my guardian angel is, it's not my dad, it's my aunt. After 12 days of, I mean, I have never had emotional distress like this, 12 days, because I knew that until I got the vehicle back, even my insurance is, is not going to really cover this stolen vehicle or withheld vehicle. So I, 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 um, I got a text, I got a, a Facebook message from my college freshman girlfriend. And my mom even said the day before, she's like, you know, I think Rita's looking out after you. She's looking after you on this one. So I got a message and there's no kidding. My mom said it the day before I got a message from Bobby, my, my 18 year old girlfriend, I'm 39 years old saying, Hey, uh, aunt, I, um, I found these in a jewelry box. I've been meaning to, to message you about this for a while. Your aunt gave me these in in uh, our freshman year when we went and visited New Jersey. And she goes, I know that these would be great for either Kelly, your girlfriend, or your daughter, Luca. And I just started bawling, dude. I, I was in my car and I'm like, I'm going to get my car back today. Like, this is a message from 21 years ago saying I found this like cross and these earrings that, and they were like real gold, I think. And she, I remember, and then all of a sudden it flashed back to me. The one time we visited my freshman year of college when we flew out there, she gave Bobby this, like these Christmas gifts. And I was like, I'm going to find it. And that day it was the, the, when I finally figured out where it was, he t- and I started making friends with some of the airport people that worked in the toll booths. He goes, it's at Dallas love airport. It's been there for a week. It was, it was there for an hour based on the tolls. It had only, it had just been dropped off there. And he sent me a, as I drove, I'm driving through the parking garage. As I drove up to the vehicle and found it, he sends me a photo of, of exactly where it was. So after 12 days of begging for this information, I managed to get it the same time I found it. Cause I knew that it was there. Cause I called the total people and, and he sent me this photo. So I knew that was the day that I found, I'm like, my aunt was actually looking out after me on that one. Dude, that's pretty sick. So, all right. So what did you, what are the lessons learned? So you got knocked down with this guy. That's $30,000 knockdown, which hopefully you still have an opportunity to make some money back, rent the cars yourself. Yeah. What did you learn? Like, what are you going to look for next with the next guy? You know, do stuff you're comfortable with. Uh, th- this is one of the ones Seriously, that- That's the advice. Do stuff. You're, aren't you a coach? Yeah. You got to get people out of the comfort zone. We tell people to do stuff they're not comfortable with. Okay. So, so let me rephrase it then. So do stuff, not that you're comfortable. I think you should be out of your comfort zone. Absolutely. Do stuff that you're knowledgeable with or that is, or that is like, if you're not knowledgeable with it, then you need to be in control of it to take the risk. Like don't hand off control unless you know this other, the, the business partners and know the other people inside and outside, like know everything about, or if you want to get involved in something you're uncomfortable with, learn about it beforehand. Like I learned about, I did enough research about Turo. I'm like, there's money in it right now. There's a shortage of rental cars that they're all expensive. Like this. And that's why I think Turo is not a bad business to do on the side. I, I suggest it. I would recommend it to a lot of people, but the way that I did it was the problem. So I I'm uncomfortable right now learning, adding some hours to my week during Turo, but we found a, a happy medium where it could work. My mom needs a car. It all works out like, like, you know, whatever. So yes, be uncomfortable, but make sure you are comfortable in your uncomfortability. Set yourself up for success knowledgeable in your uncomfortability. 
Yeah. You don't have yeah, to be yeah. comfortable. I, you got to be knowledgeable. Knowledgeable in your own company. Be, right. and, 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 you know, one of the things I did on this in my head was, and sometimes understand that you're just going to get, unfortunately, life is going to screw you and you just got to find a way to come back out of it and think positive. Sometimes you're the pigeon and sometimes you're the statue, man. I mean, exactly, just- <laughs> exactly. And, and in this case, it was like, I was like, worst case scenario, I do this for about six months. I'm not making the money I want. I lose about 10 grand in the trade-off you know, and I get to uh, expense mileage. Worst case. So I always like to play the worst case scenario. I did not see this one coming. <laughs> I did not. Like there was nothing. And like, I was even trying to sell it to you because I'm like, this is a great deal. Lord. Like, and, and, you know, you get the depreciation and in all reality, I think if somebody was honest about their business practices, my worst case situation would have been even turns out there are criminals out there that even if you've been friends with them on social media for eight years, you don't realize that there is just, there's crooks out there. There just is, there's no other way to look at it. So sometimes realize that, um, when your back's up against the wall, try to be very, if you typically spend five hours researching something to make sure that it's the right deal, spend 10. Talk to people. Yeah. 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 Talk to some yeah. people who already did it. It's interesting because this, my next week's episode, which is going to come out before you come out, before this episode comes out, is with uh, Inga Rock. She is unbelievable. I actually interviewed her yesterday firecracker million dollar a year coach in Belgium and had a perfumery business where she taught ladies how to put makeup on and all the perfumes and all that stuff back in 2004 handed her keys. Cause she, she worked in the business. She liked that part, right. Working with women yeah. and all that stuff gave the keys to, to the business, to her husband and the CPA and they ran it into the ground, stole a shitload of money, left her without a business, a million euros in debt, and divorced. And uh, I mean, what a freaking story. But by the time this is out, that one should be out. So if you guys aren't, you know, head over there, listen to it. But it reminded me of you saying, hey, do not freaking hand over your keys unless you truly, truly know and trust. And, and that was her husband. I mean, I don't know how you don't trust that. All right. People, human nature is crazy, man. Uh, my, my, my mom's business, she went bankrupt during the recession. Um, I never went bankrupt, but that was when, whatever. So it was during the recession. And what it was, was the person that was her office manager forever, best of friends. uh, by this point, there was, when my mom broke her knee, a male doctor came to fill in for my mom that was young and wooed the other wooed her front desk person and they started stealing patients from my mom, who was her friend of 10 years as, as opposed to this new guy, because she was always lonely and he fulfilled that human need in her screwed my mom over, ended her business, uh, kind of pulled stuff away. And then also like the, like nobody was being honest about the numbers, which I think happened a lot during the recession back in 2008, like things are okay. Things are okay. And next thing you're like, by the way, I don't think you're, I think you're going to default on the 60,000 line of credit. And it's like, Ooh, so she went out of business because people just like the husband, wife, business part. It doesn't matter. People change for really weird reasons. And just understanding that you have to be ready to be mobile and be ready to uh, find the next thing and and constantly have that positive attitude that it's like the Tony Robbins saying, it's happening uh, for us and not to us. And I think that's that's what I have to take from this this last week. Yeah, dude, that is so, so good, man. Well, I hope. 
you bounce back. Talk to me about your new show that that uh, you want to that you're starting now. Blunt force discussions. Yeah. So this is what I'm, I'm most excited about. And this is, uh, you know, I, I've, I've spent, um, and I, and I do, I love coaching. Um, but I, I love having a conversation and I've grown to truly, truly love politics. I had a show called truth will set you free. Still have it for we're on episode one Oh four now. And it's a group of people that we have a discussion and we don't Most of us are on the same side, but we still disagree. We don't have to be, I don't think we have to be tribal about politics and I started, I've been an interviewer for different things for a while now. And I wanted to start something. I started like a segment called Blunt Force Logic. And then I realized Blunt Force Discussion also has the same initials as BFD. So like big F and deal. So it kind of works together. Our first guest on that show was Chad Prather. Uh, he ran for Texas governor and he's a very well-known uh, host on The Blaze uh, great guy. He actually, by the way, might be helping out next year with the Great American Summit uh, in, in in Texas. Um, and then second host was Tony Van Schoik. Uh, so He's she so is awesome. a ten. She's a badass. Ten million dollar earner uh, from Monate, one of the original founders of that company. Um, and I think I'm gonna actually. That's one thing I'm probably gonna do. Like I'm not. I've never been a, a network marketing person, but I'm gonna run that through the show. Um, my audience is 40 to 65 year old women for some odd reason. And that's target demographic for that group. So we'll see, but the show, the show is an hour, a little over an hour long on all the podcast networks on Facebook. It's blunt force discussion and on YouTube and rumble. It is, um, it's be the change USA. The whole show is let's have a talk. We're going to agree about some stuff. We're going to talk about positivity, we're going to talk about how their businesses got to where they were. We'll probably talk about you know the crazy stuff like the the word that starts with a V and our opinions on it. And I I hopefully will build it to a point where the people from the opposite side or left or non freedom loving people will have a conversation with me because I am not fully conservative and I, and I haven't said what side I've been on, but I especially right now I have some liberal beliefs that. Even my right side friends that I do shows with disagree with. And I think that having the conversation is incredibly important. And I think it's interesting to a viewer. So that's what you I'm working on. And I conservative, right? What's that? You were not always a conservative, right? I, I was you raised for Obama, a, didn't you? I voted for Obama. I was raised a Democrat. Uh, my mom was a Democrat up until we were both right about 2012 is when both of us kind of made the full shift over. And I, and in all reality, like I, I wouldn't have done anything different because I really did not like, I still to this day cannot stand Mitt Romney. So Romney was out. I might've changed my, 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 my McCain vote maybe in 2008 looking back, but again, hindsight's 2020. Um, I don't know. I think, uh, I, I, I think Obama was very important to have in office just because it, it, I think it proves that we are not this massively racist country anymore. And I think that that was that's ground to stand on for an argument to say, we need to just move forward instead of looking back. And yeah, I think, I think politics are right now, the, the situation the country is in is important to have those conversations the way that we used to, which is, I don't like this. I disagree with you there. I disagree with you. I disagree with you. That let's means go you're get an asshole. Yeah. Right? Instead, instead like... of it's don't end it with you're an asshole. End it with let's go get a drink. Like we're allowed yeah. to have different things. I like, the Roe versus Wade, I, I, I think there's so many different ways to look at it that it's impossible. I, my, the one thing I always say about politics and about these kind of conversations is the only person that is 100% wrong is the person that thinks that they are 100% right. We are humans. We have 
a myriad of things that have happened in our past. And we have environmental issues. We even have genetic things that cause us to be predisposed to an opinion and to not understand why somebody is going to have a slightly different opinion than you. That doesn't make it okay to be crazy and like naked on the street yelling at children. That doesn't make it okay. But there is, there is, there is a middle ground that is the bulk of Americans in this country that I think have a very valid reason why they feel certain ways. And I think having that conversation and finding out the whys hopefully will open people's eyes. And that's why that is my ultimate goal with Blend Force discussion. Grow it and and just have a new kind of conversation. Yeah, I think, dude, that's why I like you so much, man, because you're kind of you're I think one of my favorite Wayne Dyer quotes is be open to everything and attached to nothing. Oh, I like that. That's it. And people are so attached to their beliefs, they don't want to let them go, whether they're right or like literally there are people now protesting because for abortion not women not choice not, not choice, choice of but abortion i want you to kill babies like that's freaking insane yeah that's yeah. insane um i like matt walsh's you said you know truth truth shall set you free matt walsh just had an interview well he did a documentary it's called <laughs> what is a woman what is a woman? Yeah. And <laughs> I haven't seen the documentary, but he's interviewing this college professor. You can tell the guy's a gay dude. Um, and what does he do? He's like, he teaches, he, he's a professor in gender studies. Gender studies. So Matt Walsh asked him, like, well, what is a woman? It's like, whatever you want a woman to be. He's like, no, 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 but you can't use that as a definition. Let me ask you this way. He said, when, um, when, when a man transitions into a woman, what is he transitioning into? A, a woman. <laughs> He's like, what's a woman? Why do you ask? I would, I just want to know why you're asking. And it's like, it was driving me nuts. If you can't define a woman, what a woman is, I, I don't care if I agree, disagree. I don't know. You ask me right now, you know, I'm like, to me, a woman, someone who gets pregnant and menstruates and, you know, has certain body parts. That's a woman. I don't know. I'm not a biologist. right? <laughs> Good. Yeah. Thank you. Now you can be on the Supreme Court. Yeah. So, but, but this guy, like we're fighting, not fighting, but we're arguing with an ideology that doesn't really have a clear definition of what they're arguing for. And it's just fluid. And it, I, I don't get it. It thrives on anarchy. And, and there is, and it thrives on chaos and it thrives on mental illness. And again, mental illness is a problem, but it becomes a bigger problem when mental illness is, is no longer looked at as a problem, but a celebration. Um, God, Tony used a word on our show, exploited. We're in in pride month. We're exploiting mental illness and, and not saying homosexuality is mental illness. I do think people that refer to them in weird pronouns that have essentially are saying you have multiple personalities like they like, I think it's messed up personally that some, who, somebody bundled all that crap together. LGBTQ, XYZ, WXYZ, APL plus. Yeah. yeah. Cause I have friends who are gay, who are conservative. I have friends who are, gay who are liberals. Too. They're just gay. They just, they're attracted to a certain sex. Perfectly fine. I don't care. My sister's gay. I don't care. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Like it zero matters to me if somebody's gay, straight, don't care. But these fairies out there now with the with the bunny ears and their cats and dogs, I don't know. 
they if you're going to say fairies, furries, they're actually dressed like fairies because they will dress. That's what like I mean. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. what I mean. Or furries or furbies, whatever. Furries. whatever. That, yeah. Yeah. Furgies. Nothing. It doesn't make it. Do, it's it doesn't make sense. Them. The they. Did you see the one? It's like a, it might have been some conservative comedy folks. I don't know. They <laughs> the skit was a cop pulls a woman over and he's like, do you know why I pulled you over? She's like, no said uh you've been driving in this pov lane that's supposed to have at least two people in the vehicle all by yourself well i identify as they so we are driving (laughs) oh that's epic that's the i mean but honestly that logic if that's the logic that our 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 elected officials and that our uh media wants to go with technically that should be that should win a legal argument that should win a case like oh it's, it's, it's insane. And I, and since it is, and again, I, how, what about a week or two after that these play typically when you put them up? Yeah. You'll be not next Tuesday, but the one after. So the second week of July, I'm sure, I'm sure this will still be part of the conversation. Um, Cause I think that this is going to be a conversation leading all the way up until the election, but Roe versus Wade to me is e- each time I keep thinking it's going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back on division. And I, I just think that this is such an interesting, it's not about abortion. First off, to state my, my point, Roe versus Wade was bad law. It, sh- it should have been overturned for 50, 60 years, just based on my opinion. That does not make me pro-life, to be very clear. I'm not a full pro-life person because I think it's very confusing. I, you can't cite the Bible as evidence. And science has mixed opinions on where life begins. But they don't even know what a woman is. And they don't even know what a woman is. So whose body, whose choice are we talking about here? So I, I get that there, I get that there is 50. This is the ultimate 50 shades of gray for people, which is again, why I do believe it's questionable. And I think you follow Ian Went as well. Uh, uh, the Patriot, he had a great post about him being very pro-life, but religion, uh, uh, freedom and religion should not be, should not be interchanged. And I think there is a question, like, if you truly believe it's murder, then yeah, I would see why you are pro-life. But who is to say, who is to say, just because your opinion is that, I think there is an opinion. And honestly, I have trouble, like, every morning I wake up wanting to be more pro-life, wanting to be fully, like, biblically, like, right at conception. It's, but I, I have trouble with it. I don't see Yeah, you it. meet a guy like you did with Turo, and you're like, fuck that. He should have been aborted. <laughs> he should have been aborted. <laughs> I'm kidding. Exactly. I'm kidding. No, I, yeah, I'm kind of not. But no, but in all reality, like, when you look at the, the size of the baby, and, yeah, they blow it up, and they, you know, you look at it, and it's like this big. And then people, a lot of the pro-life people are hunters. I love hunting. Like I, I liked, you know, that thing. And it's like, it's a, that one's out of a womb. It's living, it's breathing and we've killed it. And I, yes, we use it for food. I understand that, but man, it's just, it's such a, it's such a delicate issue in the human brain that causes you to think in a whole bunch of different ways. And I think that's why this is such a divisive topic. And there is a lot of Republicans and conservatives that on the down low are pro-choice and I think that kind of skews the voting public. And there's a lot of misinformation. I don't think this could be all or nothing, right? Like my view is, I think, first trimester, right? Like within that's, the first that's, trimester. That's my views as well. Or something. Yeah, but fuck, if you go past that, it's a baby. I have two kids. And Agreed. by the way, the mother has to live with that trauma. The family has to deal with that trauma forever. It's not an easy decision. 
By the way, as as two white males, are we allowed to talk about this? I don't know. Should we ask? I see that, and, and apparently we're not. You know? I don't think I'm allowed you know. to. We're the evil. But let me ask you. Um, my biggest challenge as I kind of scroll through, and you know me, I don't even try to watch the news, but this Roe v. Wade overturning has me watching more of it. Uh, and I watch both, by the way, Fox, CNN, Newsmax. Like I, I fucking Morning Joe or whatever that is. I cannot do that on MSNBC. He's brutal. The view hosts who decided to prove their point and went to the Bahamas, but Bahamas, it's illegal to have an abortion <laughs> in the Bahamas, but they're proving their point over there because they don't want to be in this mm-hmm. crazy country. They, by the way, Bahamas also hates gay people. Like, I mean, the, literally, you, it's bad. Like, if you, if you, they call it a chichiman out there, and you are at risk of losing your life. Like, it's a big deal. So, I think it's ironic. Kind of like the Middle East, huh? Yeah, it's very similar to Middle East. The, the biggest challenge I have here is everybody wants to change the world, but nobody wants to change themselves first. And I look at these thousands of people on the news who are protesting day by day for hours in front of the Capitol in Dallas. I've seen them in Arizona. They're breaking down buildings. What's their home life like? Do you feel know. like they have their shit figured out? Like, I don't see, I don't see Elon Musk out there. I don't see many successful people doing that. And like Mother Teresa said, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. Right. First, I, so I'm studying um, Science of Getting Rich right now. It's an old book by Wallace D. Waddles. And in it, he, he says, it was written in 1903. And he says, do not be bothered by any political stuff, any environmental stuff, nothing outside until you become rich. Make it your first and foremost duty to become rich because the world needs you rich. And if you're rich, you can make the changes. You can support your causes. You can help women who need abortion. You can help women who don't want abortion. Like you can do so much if you're rich. Go mm-hmm. find a way to become rich. And it's so interesting to read that from a guy who wrote it in 1903 and watching these guys now whose life probably sucks. I can't imagine putting on a black mask and all black and going to burn down flags. I don't see successful people doing it. I don't know why they're doing it. What motivates you to do it? It's just that animalistic instinct that, oh, this happened. It made me mad. I'm going to go do something. And like, we got to, we got to treat them like children who are having a, you know, a panic attack or a spasm. What do you think? I agree. Uh, I just want to correct myself. I think it was the Dominican where they don't like gay people. I can't. It was a. It's 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 one of the two. Might be Bahamas. Might be Dominican. I don't want to say the wrong place. Uh, might be both. I don't know. Um, I I just think that it's it's a it's it's such a weird. It's we're in such a delicate place in this world where each of the interviews that I've done for Blunt Force discussion have c- concluded with. We don't know if we're going to get a semblance of of. America back. Like we are, can we end the division? And I don't know if we can. Uh, and that's, that's the, the resounding theme just based on the way things are set up right now. So, I mean, kind of what you're going, what you're talking about, it's, it's the, I don't know what the, I, there is no good answer right now, except for continuing to have a conversation and being, and trying to relate. And the way that when I started be the change, the concept of the, the discussions were to, 
instead of meeting people with the same fire coming at like from the left and you look at the you look at the lunacy of you've got January 6 where you were actually demanding something of their government at the government steps to the other side that was saying how horrific that was as they take to streets and destroy small businesses and destroy people that are in, just individuals instead of yell at their government which is the freedom of being an american we should we should hold our leaders accountable in all reality, we have to look at the the anger people have. For example, use Roe versus Wade. They're angry because they think their ability to, to, to have an abortion has been taken away. It's not. It's gone back to the states. That misinformation. So we have to understand that instead of saying, you're effing wrong and meeting them in the middle of this angry area, you meet them with this, and it, it sounds soft, but you meet them with empathy and you allow them to yell at you and you take it and you take it and you take it. And then eventually you try to, once you, once you have built a willingness to listen, like, I don't think the Steven Crowders of the world and all these people that are doing the man on the street, essentially just saying you're idiots back. I don't, it's sometimes it's funny to watch. I don't think that does anything, but galvanize a base. So the, if you really want to create change in this world right now, and especially in this country, you have to be willing to just take a beating. I'm willing to take a beating. I really am. And I, I think you have to take the beating, let them build trust, and then have a very difficult conversation that includes logic and facts. Yeah. And don't be the first to speak, right? Don't be the first to speak. Absolutely. Right. Best Definitely way to sum that up. More than you talk. Absolutely. Yeah. Dude, this was so fun. Anthony, I don't get into politics ever on the show. Glad that, uh, you know, you don't disappoint. <laughs> I, you know, it's all good, my man. I have a graceful and, and it's inter- the last thing I'll say I had a, and I'm going to read I want to read this one message that I got from somebody that I, I loved because with Tony, we talked about, um, you know, we, t- we we're both very I mean, like you, I have a lot of in the barrel racing world with Kelly, a lot of gay guys that that barrel race and they're all most of them are Republicans or most of them are conservative. And I just uh, I hate I, I just I hate the fact that everybody's pigeonholed in that. So we we talked about Pride Month and how dangerous it is, and the fact that it's not really it's not doing anything positive. It's leading people to become more split and divided. But I got a message from somebody that I did not actually. I know he's a follower of mine from from Truth Will Set You Free. Uh, said Anthony, I just watched your second effing installment because Tony's thing is effing simple. Uh, effing ins- uh, installment of Blunt Force discussion. Marvelous comes to effing mind. Seriously, you're doing a great effing job or a great <laughs> job. So proud of your work. It was also nice to hear one thing in particular from you. And he's going to, he says, I'm going to come out to you. I'm a gay Republican who deplores what the gay community has done and is doing to poison the minds of children. It's nice to know that you have tolerance and compassion. And I appreciate what you had to say about that issue. Thank you for making your discussion so informative and entertaining. And thank you for being a friend above all else. It means a lot. And I've contributed to my, to the Patreon and, uh, and he's going to contribute more when, when this becomes available and he wishes continuous luck. So the ability to, have that kind of impact on a listener that is, and I had no idea. He's he's messaged me a bunch. The best had no idea that he was gay, but the fact that you can have a conversation with those that are different than you, and you can also, in some ways, condemn a certain behavior without really condemning it. You're condemning the celebration of it and just saying, "I'm going to sleep with a woman. You're going to sleep with a man. Let's just be decent to each other." And I think that that made that made my that made my night the other day getting that message. So no, that is really cool, man. I don't think it was the gay community. Well, I don't know what he's referencing there, but I'm not sure the gay community are the, is the community that's bringing all this on. I think they kind of got stuck in the crosshairs there. 
and feel bad for them because some gay people just want to live their life like you and me do. You know, they just have a different sexual orientation or whatever that they're attracted to. Anyway, you want to change the world, make your bed. But first, change yourself. And the way to do that, listen, you hire a coach, you get a mentor, you listen to this channel, you listen to Anthony, give me a call. I'll help you think differently. That's what I do. And hopefully we'll see you on the next episode. Anthony, thanks for joining us, my man. Thank you. See you, brother. You've listened to another episode of Lead, Sell, Grow, the Human Experience Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes, subscribe, and leave us a nice review. And if you're not a part of our tribe on Facebook, be sure to head over to Facebook and join Lead, Sell, Grow, the Human Experience Tribe. I look forward to speaking with you in the tribe. Have a great day.